This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. So much to get into, so much to discuss. And I want to focus the beginning on two original six franchises that are very similar and are both going in the exact same direction. And I believe for the exact same reason. And that's the New York Rangers and the Montreal Canadiens. They both have gotten off to horrific starts. Rangers lose last night in overtime to Pittsburgh. They look awful in the first period, down to nothing, completely outplay Pittsburgh in the second period and portions of the third. But Crosby gets the game tying goal with less than a minute to play, and an awful giveaway by McDonough leads to the game winning goal by Malcolm. Six giveaways by McDonough, 23 overall by the Rangers. There are just times they look absolutely clueless, and then there are times it all just seems to come together. But they have yet to play 60 minutes in the first seven games, and the same can be said for the Montreal Canadiens. And you look at the two teams. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Elaine Vigneault. He's in his fifth season, 1-5-1 to start the year. Is he in trouble? Is Lindy Ruff going to take over? I don't know. But there's a very good possibility that that could be a change. I mean, what do you do in Montreal? Claude Julien just came in to replace Michelle Terry, and it's beginning to look like that it wasn't Michelle Terry's fault, that this is just a function of when your best and highest paid player is your goaltender, do you have the ability to get the necessary pieces in place to be a dominant hockey team? Look at the teams that are dominant in the National Hockey League. Look at them. Is Chicago dominant because they've got great goaltending. Now, their goaltending can play well. Corey Crawford has played well. I don't want to completely obscure what he's done in their championships when they won a cup with Niemi and they won a cup with Crawford. But is Chicago a dominant team because of their goaltending? No. They've got talented players. They've got future Hall of Famers in Kane and Taves. They've got Keith, who's one of the great defensemen in this sport. They plugged in useful players around those superstars, and that's why they're dominant. Why has Tampa become a force? Because they've got a Steven Stamkos. They've got a Kucherov that has now become a stud offensive player. They've got Hedman on defense. They've got classic players. They're not competing for a Stanley Cup because of what Bishop did in years ago and what Vasilevsky's doing now or Peter Budai. Toronto, why is everybody excited about the Leafs? Because they've got young, vibrant offensive players, not because of Frederick Anderson. Detroit all those years. Even going back to the Iserman days, but even after that, the Zetterbergs, the Dadsuks, the, the Lidstroms, they weren't winning because of Chris Osgood. So you need your goaltender to play well. I don't think you necessarily need this great, historically tremendous goaltender. Hey, look. I think everybody would say that the two best goaltenders in the National Hockey League are Henrik Lundqvist and Carey Price, and what exactly has been accomplished with them being the great goaltenders? Carey Price went to a conference final. Maybe they go to the finals in 2014 if he doesn't get hurt on the Chris Kreider play. But not really close since. The one time that Montreal did make the runs of the conference finals back in 2010 is Yurosov Halak, not Price. Not trying to kill Price. Price is a great goaltender, but is it enough? Henrik Lundqvist is going to go to the Hall of Fame. Greatest goaltender in history of the New York Rangers organization. Is it enough? Look at Pittsburgh. You You think Matt Murray is a classic goaltender? He's a very good goaltender. 
But why are you winning? I'm watching that game last night. It wasn't Matt Murray winning the game. It was Malkin and Crosby and Latang and Kessel on the ice getting the job done. Washington, they've been, all right, they haven't been able to figure it out in the regular season. They finally get Holpe, who's in the conversation as the great goaltender. Still not enough. But they're able to carry themselves because they have Ovechstrom, because they have Backstrom, because they have players that are starting to Kuznetsov that are beginning to play. So you have to find players. Max Pacioretty being your leading offensive player for the last six years is not enough in Montreal. To have Mika Zabanajad be your best offensive player for the New York Rangers is not good enough. Not in this league. Not with the talent that you have. And so what ends up happening is you're chasing goals and every mistake that you make becomes catastrophic. The Rangers are trying to play fast. They're trying to play loose. And what ends up happening? 23 turnovers, 11 in the first period. McDonough, six turnovers, coughs it up in overtime, costs you a point. So as we begin to evaluate these teams and how they're beginning to play, you're beginning to see that it's being good at center, having vibrant forwards that can score, having defensemen that, yes, can play their position but also can can produce offensively. Why do you think Ottawa goes to within one game of the Stanley Cup Final? Because Carlson can be a dominant two-way player, and guys like Hoffman and Stone and Ryan begin to emerge as offensive players. It's no coincidence. Craig Anderson played well, but they could do the same thing when Condon's played. And when the Rangers were going to the Stanley Cup Final and the Conference Final, was it Henrik Lundqvist standing on his head, or was it guys like Cam Talbot that came in and held the fort because the players in front of him were better? When you invest all your money in your goaltender, it's not the goaltender's fault. It just does not allow you to be able to spread the wealth and be the player you need to play. It's up the middle in the National Hockey League. Center, defense, and goaltender. But when all that money goes to the one goaltender, what's happened in Columbus with Bobrovsky? He's a max player. Lundqvist making max money. Price making max money. Is it any coincidence that those are the teams that just can't seem to get the traction that's necessary to be better? Then finally Columbus gets a Panarin, a dominant player. And maybe this will turn the corner for them. But you need that player. When you complain about the Montreal Canadiens, who should play better on offense? Who should be a dominant player? Gallagher? Golchenyuk? Those are nice players. Pacioretty is a really nice player. Shea Weber is a really nice player. Maybe a, maybe a future Hall of Fame player, but is that enough? They thought Druin was going to help, and we'll see if he does. But really, who is underachieving? Tomas Placanitz? He's been on the league forever. We're going to the Rangers. Who's supposed to be dominant? Rick Nash? Rick Nash has never scored 50 goals in the NHL. Miller, Hayes, Kreider, Zabanajad. Take a look at the back of their hockey card. These are 30-goal scorers in the best of years. Not 40, not 50. But look at the teams that win. How do you think Edmonton is going to get over the hump? Edmonton's struggling right now, and we'll get to that in just a second. But when you have a McDavid, you're going to be in every game. And when you have guys that are healthy like Nugent Hopkins and if they can if they can get Dreisaitl back from IR, Toronto. Look at the players that they have in Matthews, in Nylander, in Marner. That's Those are players they're hoping that are going to grow into the, the next Taves and Kane and the next Stamkos and the next Ovechkin and the next Krug. I'm watching Pittsburgh. They did not play well last night. They didn't. They didn't show up in the second period. 
But why do they win? Because they got Sidney Crosby, they got Malkin, they got Latang, they got Kessel. They get, all these guys found ways to get things done. So uh, I'm spouting off here about these two teams. But I see so much similarity in the Rangers and the Canadians. And just going forward, you just wonder, are, are there enough players there? Let's continue with the scoreboard last night as we hit you with two of them. Philadelphia continues to score goals. Eight against Washington, five against Florida last night. Now, Wayne Simmons had to leave the game with an injury. Ron Hextall says it's just day-to-day. they got to be able to keep him healthy. Uh, Leafs shut out the Capitals 2-0. This is important for, for, for Toronto. We were just talking about how it's not about goaltending. It's about going out there and scoring goals. But Toronto still has to learn to win games like this. You know, you can't just try to outscore your opponent every single night. And for them to be able to go out there and, and, and pitch a shutout on the road on a night, you tell me that Toronto only scores two goals, I'm going to say that more times than not they're going to lose the game. But Anderson made 30 saves, and I think that's big. That's important for Toronto moving forward. Uh, the Devils are becoming a story here, guys. I mean, they've won five of their first six games. They're 5-1. and one. Uh, That was a wild game against Tampa last night. But the, but the youth of New Jersey starting to show. But it's an old veteran, former of Buffalo, Drew Stafford, that gets a couple of goals, including uh, the game tire late. And then Palmieri gets the only goal in the shootout. And I know it was Budai in net for Tampa, the backup goalie, because the Lightning had played the night before. And I understand that that was a benefit to New Jersey. But a Devil team, they're winning on the road. They're winning games in the shootout, things they did not do last year. And now the Devils find themselves 5-1 and to start the year. Ottawa, I, I, maybe it was just the first game back from a long road trip. That's usually what happens. They get shut out by Vancouver, 3-0. Uh, uh, Avalanche kind of coming back to earth now, 4-3, and three, as they get beat up in Nashville, 4-1. Now the Predators now at 3-2-1, starting to find their groove. Bonino's back in the fold. And I think uh, Nashville, I'm going to get a chance to see them live coming up on Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Winnipeg takes a step back after a 5-2 loss uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I watched a little of this game on the app for Madison Square Garden, and I continue to be impressed with the well-roundedness of Columbus. Warensky is a stud, okay? So that blue line's really coming together for Columbus. And you got guys like Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno picked up his first goal of the year, five different goal scorers for Columbus. Uh, in their win last night. So the Columbus Blue Jackets, this is why you got to be scared if you're right now, you got to be very, very scared if you're a fan of the Rangers in the Metropolitan Division with the Flyers being better, with the Devils being better, Columbus looks like they're a player. You could dig yourself a hole you can't get out of. You could say bye-bye to finishing one of the top three positions in the division, and now you start having a conversation about the wild card, and that Eastern Conference is tough. Coyotes still looking for their first win. They lose. They're 0-5-1 as Dallas gets the 3-1 victory. What's going on with the Edmonton Oilers now? Four consecutive losses. Carolina is another one of those players in that Metropolitan Division that teams have to be concerned about. Uh, Edmonton threw everything they could at Cam Ward and made 48 saves. A lot of that came later on, but again, Taravainen with a couple of goals, his first of the year. Carolina jumps out to a 3-0 lead, and then Edmonton's left to scramble, desperate to find uh, the goals. And then once they fell behind 4-1, you knew it was kind of over. Uh, and then Slavin puts it away with the goal midway through the third period to make it 5-3. So Edmonton did fight back. They did get a lot of offense, but... 
you just wonder what's going on with that team. A win on opening day against the Flames, four consecutive losses. I think you got to be a little bit concerned right now about the Edmonton Oilers. Golden Knights do it again, although they almost blew it. Golden Knights, really, it's one of the stories in sports. Five and one to start the year as an expansion team. It's just, it's just unbelievable. And Oscar Lindbergh's going to do good for them. Uh, Alex Tuck gets a couple of goals, uh, his first three of the season. Uh, Perron gets two goals, but it was the ability for Buffalo to come back to down 4-1 in the third period. They get three unanswered goals by O'Reilly, Reinhardt, and Kane. Kane's been very good for Buffalo. We've talked about that before. That forces overtime, but then Perron gets the overtime game winner. So, you know, we'll see how Vegas now survives with Flurry on IR. And are they going to be able to go with Malcolm Subban, P.K. Subban's brother? Uh, the conversation is Vegas. is They, they chose Subban. They, they wanted him to be a part of this team. Uh, we'll see if the goaltending can hold up while Flurry is out uh, with the concussion. And, and we won't mention the Canadians and their loss uh, to the Sharks. Tonight, just three games, but we're really excited. Eddie O back in the fold. He's still going through chemotherapy for his colon cancer. But he's back to work, and he'll be in St. Louis tonight uh, calling the Wednesday night ride. Rivalry game between the Blues and the Blackhawks. That game will be at 8 o'clock Eastern time on NBC Sportsnet. Uh, Red Wings and uh, Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs, again, the second of back-to-backs. And the Canadians, the second of back-to-backs. They'll be on Lo- in Los Angeles to take on a Kings team that has actually been quite a bit of fun to watch here. Still have not lost a game in regulation. Let's go to your tweets. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Tons to get to today. Uh, Kyle's become a fan of the show, and he starts sending a bunch of tweets. He said, chemistry is black and white on the ice. Devils seem to have it, and I don't think chemistry just disappears. Speaking of chemistry, how about David Darnay and Michael Grabner with that ridiculous display uh, of the back-and-forth passing? It's amazing how career third-liners can do when they're given nothing to lose top six chances with Vegas. So you got a lot to talk about there with Kyle. All right, Vegas, you're right, it's coming together. Again, we talked about the Gerard Gallant's top-notch coach. George McPhee is a top-notch general manager, so I like what they're doing there. The, the, the Kyle's talking about the uh, Grabner goal, tremendous tic-tac-toe passing by Darnay and Grabner. Darnay got moved up to the top, uh, to the second-line center uh, for the Rangers, uh, and they came together with Grabner being on the fourth line. But for that moment, they came together, and the chemistry was tremendous. And what's happening in New Jersey is the kids are playing. They're playing loose. We'll see if they're going to be able to handle the expectations. But right now, last year, the Devils could not win on the road. They couldn't win in the shootout. So they've been winning on the road, and they win their first shootout opportunity of the year. Arda O'Cal, our pal from MSG Television, uh, the hockey show, which should be starting up pretty quick, and he has a very interesting take. He says, hi, Don, long-time listener, first-time caller. My question is, can you take us through how you prepare for calling a hockey game? Also, some of the play-by-play voices you enjoy around the league, I'll take the answer on hold. Thank you very much. So he's taking it like he's a caller. Uh, the prep is my life. I mean, I watch hockey constantly, so... So that helps with the prep and getting the numbers down and the line combinations. It's watching games. I've been watching the Islanders a lot, preparing for the game that I'm going to be calling tomorrow. But I'm so entrenched in hockey that it probably makes it a little easier for me to make the adjustment to prepare for a game because I do watch so much hockey. But it's... It's, it's, it's watching games, scouting, it's getting there early, watching the warm-up, seeing how the line combinations are being. But the biggest thing that I can say to anybody that's an aspiring play-by-play person, it's tough enough to do play-by-play. Do not add analysis to it. 
So the idea is that you do the play-by-play and you let your color commentator be the one to break down hockey. I hate when you have an announcer that does both. Now, sometimes you got to do both because you got a guy like um, Chuck Caton in Carolina who calls the game by himself. But if you've got a guy, I've got Dave Maloney, i got Pete Stemkowski, um, you allow those guys to break the game down. You call it, you let them analyze it, and I don't think that happens enough. I think there's a ton of great guys. Jack Michaels in Edmonton is a tremendous play-by-play voice. He really paints a tremendous word picture. I've got all of, of the respect in the world for John Wideman with the Chicago Blackhawks. I got a chance to work with him when he was with the New York Islanders and got a chance to sit next to him, watching him pre- prepare, watching him call games, and I think he does a great job with the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, how can you go wrong growing up listening to Sam Rosen doing Ranger games or Doc Emmerich doing Devil games when I was growing up so there's a lot of people past and present that I absolutely adore and those are some of the names that have popped into my head I'm I'm very happy for Steve Mears doing the television side for Pittsburgh I've always enjoyed Mike Lang who's been doing radio for a long time uh, with Pittsburgh so there's so many good people I don't want to leave anybody out but I really enjoy all those guys and the work that they do. Uh, Brett says, a nice comeback down to nothing, but scoring on five on three, taking penalties on the five on three was terrible, 53 seconds away from a big win. You're right. Crosby takes that high sticking penalty, and the Rangers come back and score two goals on it to take the lead three to two. Kreider then messes up late on a five on three opportunity for the Rangers to add to their lead, although AV said that he was pushed by Murray into the cross check, but still, that really wiped out an opportunity there. Uh, Sam Diaz says Vegas has as many uh, points as Boston, Montreal, and the Rangers combined. Are they legit? Would a win in either of the next two games, St. Louis and Chicago, validate? Yeah, that would certainly validate. Those are two of the best teams in the league. They're young. They're having fun. But as I said before, Sam, I'm very interested to see um, Malkin Subban long-term with Flurry on IR, whether this is going to be a point where you saw last night a struggling Sabre team, a race, a a a 4-1 deficit in the third period. That could be a bit of a problem. Ken, is AV on, say, a thin ice? Hey, listen, 1-5-1. You've got the Islanders coming up tomorrow. You've got Nashville on Saturday. Keep an eye on it. That's all I say. Uh, John says, do I dare say the Rangers miss Girardi? Huh. So the guy that Ranger fans were killing, now seven games in, they miss him? I can't go there. Uh, Liam says, how can the Rangers fix their sloppy, stupid play? McDonough was terrible with turnovers last night. Yeah, they were. 23 turnovers, 11 in the first period. There's no question. You just hope that eventually they get it right. I give McDonough a bit of a pass. He's played with four different defensive pairings. He's playing with a kid in D'Angelo. I just think this team's a mess right now. I do. I mean, too bad this team doesn't have a bye coming up where they can kind of correct things. But right now, I mean, I think it's fair to say, did the Rangers do enough during preseason to get everybody on the same page? Because they just look lost right now. Five-minute major says, I'm so happy game is conduct is back. Rangers have no offense, no defense, no urgency, no coaching adjustments, some good looks. Well, here's the problem. They've made plenty of adjustments, five-minute major, maybe too many adjustments. Right now, it seems like a personnel problem more than it is a coaching problem to me. Jake says, hey, Don, which team has exceeded your expectations and which team has been a disappointment for you? Obviously, the Rangers have been a disappointment. Buffalo's been a disappointment. Edmonton has been a disappointment. One of my biggest surprises, Kings. Non-playoff team last year. They make the John Stevens change, and now they have yet to lose a game so far. And, of course, how can you not be absolutely shocked by what Vegas is doing? 
Rangers Proud says, why in the sixth game of the season is McDonough playing 26 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time, and why with D'Angelo? They're trying to find the right combination. They are. And I think they're thinking more offensively than defensively, but they're going to have to try to do both. They're scrambling right now. They tried Stahl. I think they've tried everybody but Shea so far to play with McDonough, and nothing really seems to work. Uh, Mike Silver says, assuming you won't be uh, resigned, assuming he won't be re-signed, considering the $7.8 million per year, will the legacy of Rick Nash in New York be looked upon as a failure? No, because Rick Nash was a major part of a team that went to a Stanley Cup final. He was a major part of a team that went to a conference final. So even though Nash has been someone that Ranger fans complained about for his lack of offensive ability, he's been a really good player here, and the Rangers have had some success while he's been here. Kevin says the Devils seem to be doing everything right. Why is everyone saying that they will not sustain this great start? Well, it's easy to say that they were the worst team in the Eastern Conference last year. Now, he sure has not scored yet, but will Bratt be able to continue this pace? Will they be able to continue to get the offensive production they've been able to get from Butcher? But I think it might be sustainable here because if the goaltending is going to be good, they'll be fine. Remember, Schneider was not great last year. But you can understand people being a little bit leery of picking the Devils now as a playoff team considering it's been five years since they've made the playoffs and they've been so reliant on the young players. Kevin says, as of now, who is better in your opinion? Kucherov or Ovechkin, both are doing really well and helping their teams win. I'm a big Kucherov fan, but to put him on the same level as Ovechkin, it's a little too early. What has he scored? Like seven straight games, Kucherov. It's been ridiculous. Need to see a little bit more, but Kucherov is approaching superstar status. He might be in the top ten right now. He might actually be knocking on the door as a top five player. And Chris wants to know if the Devils are for real. If so, are proved goaltending and rookies the difference? Yes, you've hit the two nails on the head. Young, fast, fun to watch, But please do not underrate the fact that they've got very little goaltending last year. Corey Schneider, to his own admittance, did not play as well as he did last year. And I think that could be a major difference for this team. This was a fun one. I want to hear from you at Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct tomorrow. Get a preview of the games that are coming up on Thursday. Recap the three games from tonight. Should be a lot of fun. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York. And worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.